Hello, and welcome to another edition of Storytelling on Orchard Street. I'm Pete Salamita, your host. We're in the PT Knitwear uh, Bookstore on 180 Orchard Street. With me today, I have an old friend, um, singer, songwriter extraordinaire, musician, uh, author, and a man of many talents. I'd like to welcome today Mr. Phil Gamage. Thank you, Pete. Great to be here. Awesome. <clears throat> I mean, we recently uh, reconnected. I mean, over the years, we here and there, but um, recently reconnected. Uh, of course, um, I guess Fudu Martini, I joined. Uh, There's a band I joined that was your band. Um, like 92 or something like that? Uh, I think it was more like 95 or 96, actually. Uh, I was putting the band together. Mm -hmm. So you, you came in on the ground floor. Huh. Okay. Yeah. And, Pedro uh, Caliente, I believe, was your <laughs> stage name. That's right. Um, it was a really fun band to be in. And um, one thing I want to say about you uh, in that band, and I noticed I recently saw you in your blues quintet last week at Shenanigans in Brooklyn. And uh, I have to say, uh, you, besides being gifted, um, you, you really worked the stage well. You're a professional up there. And last week I was blown away by your band and uh, – the way uh, the way it all worked out, the way you cued people in and out, and it's it's, it's a great band. I really uh, recommend uh, people to go check it out. Um, but uh, you're not from New York City, so how, tell us a little bit about how you arrived in New York City and wound up being a fixture in the music scene. Well, it's a random story. It wasn't uh, anything that I had charted out as a teen or a college age person. I got into music uh, pretty big when I was 18 and 19, the time I was living in Colorado. And I eventually hooked up with a couple of guys and uh, started playing music with them. And they were uh, New Yorkers. Okay. They were living out in Boulder, Colorado, where I was. But you're not originally from No, Texas. I'm originally from Texas, right. yes. <laughs> uh, Houston. All right. And, uh, but I did live in Boulder for a spell, and that's where I met these guys. And, oh, you know, they painted such a great picture in New York City. You got to come to the city. Wow. And I thought I'd try it out. Wow. I, uh, I was kind of loose ends. I didn't have a whole lot of commitments. Anymore. But how old were you at that point? <clears throat> I think I was 21, 22, maybe. And um, so I came here. And, uh, of course, uh, pretty soon those guys uh, had a lot of personal problems. Uh, one of them got into drugs real heavily. So uh, whatever our creative work I was doing with them fell by the wayside. So uh, I decided to stay here uh, a while longer, maybe a year. And uh, the first year here for me was pretty rough. I could imagine. I, I didn't know a lot of people. Right. And uh, I was kind of counting on those fellows to be my uh, ambassadors to the, uh, the world of the arts here. And it just didn't work out for me. But then things started to kind of fall in place. You've been in a number of different musical out, uh, outfits um, to me, they're pretty diverse uh, styles. So Voodoo Martini, if, if you want to talk about that a little bit and how that came up. Yeah. And, um, and some of the other things you did. And maybe if you want to talk about your musical influences. Okay. About the time I uh, came up with the concept for Voodoo Martini, which was 95, 96, I was really starting to get hip to a lot of the uh, revivalism in retro music and retro culture that was going on in America. And at the time uh, that came along, I uh, had just uh, been dropped by a French record label 
New Rose Records. They actually were sold them. to yeah. Sony. Right. So a lot of artists got. You say dropped got a, as a solo artist? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'd put out a few albums with them. I'd gone over to Europe, thanks to them. Yeah, it was fun, fun group. And uh, kind of the, the nucleus of that, Jimmy and I uh, moved on from that to form a swing band called right. the Scarlet Dukes. And that kind of ran its course. A lot of things happened. Um, the scene kind of died out. And for me, uh, on a spiritual level, when, when Windows on the World went down, it, it just... I just kind of felt it was. Yeah, I don't know if the listeners uh, all know uh, that was a uh, really fancy uh, bar restaurant on the uh, top floor of the uh, World Trade Trade Center. Center. I forget which one, but where we played was actually the greatest bar on earth. That was technically Windows in the World was the restaurant, and then we were in the bar. Yeah, I think they might have been on two. I always say Windows on the World just because people know it more, but they might have been on you know 108th and 109th floor. Yeah, something like that. Right, right. That was intense. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was. Had yeah. some great nights up there. Yep. Uh, so, uh, certain general was uh, in what time frame? Uh, certain general was kind of running parallel to all of this, uh, more or less. I I'd started working with them uh, early on when I uh, moved here, and uh, as a guitarist, right? Yeah, I was lead guitarist. I did some songwriting. Very minimal lead vocals, but mm-hmm. I did I did a little bit right. uh, background vocals. Even played a little harmonica, and um, I was in and out of that band. Uh, you know, it's kind of a saga. There's a lot of a lot of drama. Of uh, course, that's rock and roll with rock bands. You know, uh, <laughs> so it's drama somewhere. Yeah, the, so we, you know, we, we you just mentioned drama. I mean, I've certain general was you know pretty good independent band. I mean, they had yeah. some, some, some notice mm-hmm. and, and you know what it's like to have a drama, but imagine like people, the way they talk about the Beatles and shock and shocked about, you know, the drama that took place in the, especially the later years, but the, the pressure of that band must have been, been under. What do you expect? Right. Oh, uh, they really lived in a bubble. Yeah. I, I heard, uh, I've heard quotes from several of them that they were glad they had a band as opposed to someone like Elvis, who just had no one. Right. You know? Right. So they, Yeah. Elvis being one of your influences. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've gone through a couple of Elvis phases. That's kind of my, uh, that's kind of how I am. Right. I uh, I kind of really get into something uh, on a, you know, pop culture level right. and really absorb it. And then uh, a lot of times I spew it out in my own art. Yeah, I notice you're influenced a lot by like 50s art. And forties uh, like film noir and fifties pop or rock and that's right yeah yep um, I have been for a number of years right uh, even in like in your furnishing and furnish you know your home and yeah furnishing, yeah you know, I'm not a, I'm not a total zealot like some people are right. you know but this, it's sprinkled in there yeah it's sprinkled in there uh, what my wife allows right <laughs> of course <laughs> yeah I guess you get trust me if, yes. Uh, it would look different if, if it was my big man cave. <laughs> right, you had know? a bachelor pad. <laughs> yeah, space age bachelor <laughs> yes. pad. Um, yeah, and uh, you know a lot. A lot of that had to do, uh, or was a big part of uh, Voodoo Martini's aesthetic. Right. But it continues to this day, lyrically and so forth, uh, and musically, and uh, certainly uh, the art. You know, I started collecting those pulp novels from the forties, fifties, and sixties. Got like twenty five years ago. I kind of, I kind of tailed off on that in recent years. I still have them all, right. and I've read a lot of them. And uh, 
you know, now you can find the artwork online. Right. So I'm kind of repurposing uh-huh. that artwork for my own uh, needs. Got it. So um, we, we'll talk a little bit about your current music uh, phase. Um, it's a blues band. Well, mostly a little country kind of, in there. Well, well, we kind of started off as 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 straight blues, um, and it's slowly kind of diversified. Right, and uh, I definitely heard some country in there. Yeah, we do country. Yeah. I call it country gold because right. none of it's before, none of it's after 1975. I, I lost kind of, you know, other than Dwight Yoakam in the 80s, I, I really uh, don't have much use for. Uh, country music after that period. So, uh, this, you know what? I actually have been finding some really good current country artists. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, turn me on to them. I'm, yeah. I'm Charlie Crockett them. comes to mind. Oh yeah. 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 You're right. Yeah. You're right. There are a few. Yep. Um, so this is, um, called storytelling on Orchard street. And, um, in my mind, musicians, uh, tell stories. I feel like in your writing, your songwriting for sure. Um, there's definitely, uh, stories there. In a, in a compact, you know, four minute. Yeah, that's that's framework. that's really the the beauty of, uh, of writing lyrics, is uh, you don't have a whole lot of space to say something, so you really want to make every line count. Right. And um, not waste any, you know, all killer, no filler. You right. Know? And it's a challenge. Yep, for sure. And um, so, you, but you also are working on a novel, correct, or a short story. I've written several short, uh, short stories, and uh, where can people find them? Well, I have a, a page at medium.com, okay, which is kind of a multi-purpose literary portal for okay. a lot of different things. Right. Uh, I don't know if a lot of people are using it to post fiction, but it's I'm comfortable with it. Uh, some of those stories I've had uh, online at various other places in the past, but now I've got them under one umbrella, which is cool. Right. The one I heard you read here, which is how I met Wayne Crawl. Uh, the, the, Wayne Crawl does a um, bi-weekly um, readings here yeah. at P&T Network in the back here. And that's how I found out about the podcast studio. Um, and you read something which is really cool and, and definitely influenced by what we were talking about before. The You know, right? right? Am I correct? Like the heavy, film, heavy yeah. influence. You, you want to read it? Well... That was, I mean, was, I don't know if that's what you chose to read, actually, but you brought something with yeah, you. Yeah, you know, I wanted uh-huh. to read something different. That's um, fine, yeah. Uh, this was one of the first pieces I wrote, and this really kind of got me, uh, kind of kicked off me doing the short story thing. And uh, the the way I came about writing it is, is pretty uh, convoluted, and uh, it was basically I, I had this office job, and uh, one of my coworkers was this uh, middle-aged Vietnam vet ex-junkie. And uh, he was an interesting guy. He wasn't always easy to work with. I'm not going to say his name. Okay. Uh, sadly, he's no longer with us. But um, he really hit me to a lot of elements of uh, pre-hippie era American culture, like burlesque and uh, Lenny Bruce and a whole lot of that kind of stuff that was uh, bubbling under the mainstream in those years. Maybe, I guess you'd say the Eisenhower, Kennedy years. Right. <clears throat> and I've always been a big uh, history buff. Uh, you know, I was a history major for a little while in college. And uh, it's always fascinated me. And in particular, the Kennedy assassination was something that always intrigued me. And so uh, this guy that I worked with, he had these two characters, fictional characters he kept talking about. Don't ask. Okay. But... Um, 
One was called Monty DeMonte. All right. And Monty uh, was a guy from Brooklyn who was kind of on the outskirts of the criminal world, celebrity world, burlesque world. You know, he kind of was this player. Right. And his girlfriend was a woman named LaVon St. John, who was an exotic dancer. Hmm. And they had a torrid romance. <laughs> okay. And an open relationship. Nice. This is all in his head, you right. know? Okay. So just on a lark, I, Some decided, has. <laughs> I decided to write this story. So okay. uh, I'm going to pick it up. Um, just a little background. I'm, you know, I don't, due to time constraints, uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing. But uh, Monty and LaVon found themselves living in Dallas, Texas in 1963. Okay. Uh, LaVon uh, was employed by the Premier Talent Agency, which booked the Southwest burlesque houses. So she was playing New Orleans, Dallas, Houston, Memphis, all these different places. And uh, Monty was doing his usual, you know, card shark numbers racket. Okay, got all it. Right, okay. okay, here we go. Quick swig. Good idea. DeMonte's whereabouts on November 22nd, the day of Kennedy's assassination, are unknown. The following day, he called his cousin, Ralph Dino Sorbello in Brooklyn, who recollected that, quote, Monty was all shook up, but said something like he was glad it was all over with. I didn't know what he was referring to or to what the hell he was talking about. I was as upset as anyone else about Kennedy getting knocked off. It was like a punch in the gut, close quote. Interestingly, after November 22nd, DeMonte began spending much less time in Dallas. Though he continued to live with St. John in Oak Cliff, he was seen much more in Houston and on occasion in New Orleans. His friend Al still has a New Orleans postcard from DeMonte dated January 1st, 1964. On the card, DeMonte talks about going to a hell of a party in the quarter, but many remember him as traveling to New Orleans and to Houston to make connections for his numbers racket. Through Jada... Jada being uh, a stripper at Jack Ruby's okay. Colony Club All right. that Monty was friends with Got it. on an intimate level. Through Jada, he met her half-brother, Houston resident Sid Trevanti, during this time and stayed with him at his apartment on Kirby Drive when he was in town. A letter to Jada from Sid in January of 64 mentions the two men going to the Tidelands Motor Inn at 6500 South Main in Houston to do some tomcatting. By February of that year, St. John's contract with Premier Talent Management was nearly over and she made plans to return to California, with or without DeMonte. Though they enjoyed an open relationship where either could openly see other sexual partners, Jada recalled that St. John was deathly jealous of the fact that she and Monty continued to see each other in both Dallas and Houston during their frequent trysts. That combined with Jack Ruby's arrest and her contract with Premier Ending gave St. John plenty of motivation to leave Dallas once and for all. She departed for the West Coast following a performance in Dallas the first week of April 1964 and never returned. By that time, DeMonte had moved out on St. John, left Dallas, and had gone to living in Houston. City records show he resided in an apartment complex on Hazard Street in the Montrose neighborhood 
for at least a couple of months in the spring of 64. What exactly his activities were is still largely unknown, but there are strong indications based on reliable sources that he was still in the numbers racket as well as dipping into some sports gambling ventures. Indications are that he enjoyed Houston and felt it was a growing city with much potential for a man of his talents. DeMonte mailed a Polaroid photo of himself and an unknown woman to his friend Al in the winter of 64 with his handwritten caption, Me and Barbara at Sin Alley on the back. Houston historians will know this probably refers to the infamous block on Mid Lane between San Filippi and Westheimer in West Houston that hosted many swinger parties during the 1960s. From all appearances, DeMonte was enjoying himself. This all changed with the untimely and mysterious death of his friend Sid Gervonti on April 9th. Awesome. Yeah. I look forward to that becoming a bigger piece of literary. Uh, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's, there's more to it. Yeah. Uh, the name of the piece, I, I forgot to give it, is Did Lee Harvey Oswald conspire with Monty DeMonte and Sid Trevanti to assassinate JFK? <laughs> and uh, on a couple of side notes about this, as, I, as you see, one of the main characters is Sid Trevanti. I received a random email from a George Trevanti asking me if Sid was his cousin or something or a relative of his. Now, I totally made up Sid Trevanti, okay? <laughs> but it was, it was a, That's a sweet letter. But how, 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 how did that Well, come I had about? it online right. at other places. I okay. guess you could find it with a search engine. Right. I actually had it on my music website for a while prior to prior to migrating it to Medium. And then about five years ago, I was contacted by this JFK assassination researcher. <laughs> wow. And um, I eventually ended up talking to her on the phone, and she was shocked to find out that it was all made up. Oh, man. I mean, it's presented like Something an investigative else. journalist. Sure, right, you know? right, right. But, um, and then she wanted me to come down to Washington, D.C. to meet her and participate in this JFK assassination seminar. Wow. Did you go? <laughs> uh, if, you know, if it had been paid for, I probably would have. Right. Just for the hell of it. Just oh, man. Kicks. <laughs> that could have been interesting. It, it also could have been, been, it could have been a disaster. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't really have an agenda with this piece. I'm right. not trying to claim it's true. It's, it's right. for entertainment purposes only. Got it. You know? Uh, speaking of entertainment purposes, uh, would this be a good time to play So Long and, good, and Goodbye? Sure would, yeah. Okay. This, uh, this is a song off this uh, album here. This is my most recent album called From Nowhere to Somewhere. By the way, Jill uh, commented the uh, artwork is beautiful. That was taken by uh, my friend and colleague, uh, David Schell in Kingston, New York, in the Hudson Valley. Right. And... Um, we actually write songs together. I'll, I'll talk about him a little later. And it's on Prefab. Prefab International Productions. Yep. Is that available? Yes, it's available. Uh, I believe this one is only available at Bandcamp at my store. So okay. just go to Bandcamp and do a search for me. And uh, uh, I have the Scarlet Dukes uh, album for sale there. Cool. Uh, as we discussed, I am prohibited for copyright reasons to sell the Voodoo Martini album at present. Okay, maybe that'll be fixed Maybe that can be worked out uh, right. if my people talk to his people. You want uh, me to be a mediator? Uh, I don't know if you want to go there. <laughs> I might give it a shot, because well, I would love for it to be up there. Well, that would be the reward. Right. You know? Yep. Okay, so we're going to play uh, So Long Goodbye, and then we'll come back and maybe talk more about your current musical enterprises.
Okay, cool. Yep. This is So Long and Goodbye by Phil Gamage. was fantastic and um that would have actually that song would have been would not have been out of place in voodoo martini we, i think we had some material that kind of it actually would have yeah it's yeah. not too far off no. uh and, you, and your voice is very distinctive so even when you're doing different musics your voice is really i mean you, you know you have a great voice right <laughs> i mean you really do 
So, um, so talk a little bit about what your you know the the band that I saw uh, is that that's a pretty uh, fairly often working band. Yeah, I mean we we work uh, we work generally in New York City. I go out of town on occasion. Um, it's kind of a floating group of musicians. There's, there's like a core of, of people I work with, and then you know, some people kind of come in and out. Uh, I keep it like that, so uh, you know, if someone goes out of town for two weeks, right? I, I can keep working. Right. Um, I want to make sure we get the last song in uh, that you wanted me to play. Uh, maybe you could set it up. Sure. Uh, this song is called "Right On." Uh, this is a. Uh, Storytelling on Orchard Street exclusive. Awesome, man. Uh, this is a rough mix of the song. <laughs> it will never be played anywhere again. Wow. Okay. I'll, maybe I'll I'll burn the f- digital audio file or right. something. So if I, keep this, if I keep this file, I'll have a collector's <laughs> item. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't sell it on eBay. <laughs> no, I won't. Um, but anyway, uh, so it's a work in progress. You'll be able to tell. There's some, some rough edges. I just want to give a shout out. To the players that are on it, uh, Mike Fox is playing drums, Jeff Gordon on bass, Brian Hack on guitar, David Fumling playing harmonica, uh, Joe Nieves on harmony vocals. Uh, can I throw in there, I was in a band with Joey <laughs> a long time ago. Joey and I, we yeah. love singing He's a great other. singer, man. He's, he is yeah, soul. probably my, my favorite yeah. local singer. He's a great soul singer. Yeah. Oh, I've learned so much about harmony yeah. vocals from him. We did Slip Away and uh, Sun Ain't Gonna Shine Anymore. He killed those two songs. I can't hear them I, I, I've played Sun. Ain't yeah. Gonna, yeah. Right, right. Oh, that's that's what his signature. Yeah, it, he does a great version yeah. of the Walker Brothers. All right, let's... Uh, yeah, I don't think I miss anybody. So, Well, if you do after the song comes on, while you yeah. think about it, let's play Right On, okay? Junkie dudes got shot by a mean rival baller. He made the evening news. His mark looked like money. Ringer made him a pitch. Got him digging in his pocket. Fell for the old bait and switch. Right on.
was great. Thank you. I just I want to mention that's Johnny Young on piano. Okay. As well, good. You didn't leave anybody out. Hope not. <laughs> well, um, this has been great fun, Phil. I appreciate you coming down and um, hearing your music and your stories is always a uh, great pleasure. Any uh, parting uh, things you'd like to say? Uh, if you want to investigate some more of my uh, work, uh, why don't you start with my website, which is philgamagemusic.com. It's a good place to go. That's and a good I start. also have a band camp page. Just run a search on me. Cool. Well, once again, I, I want to thank you for being down here. My and, pleasure. Yep. And uh, this has been Storytelling on Orchard Street in the podcast studios of PT Knitwear Bookstore on Orchard Street. And I want to thank my guest again, Phil Gamage. And thank you all for tuning in. <laughs>